passed away with his fiance, his sister and his parents with him. Now on the news hour, tragedy strikes again in the southern interior. A second police officer swept up in an avalanche dies of his injuries. Plus. Having these protesters around is the worst uh, event that I've ever witnessed here. No escape, a residential Surrey neighborhood once again besieged by protesters. And a lot of times I just watch out the window, right? Nowhere to go. Still out of service, the inaccessible living conditions leaving those living in a social housing complex stranded inside their own home. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Tragedy has struck for a second time in the province's southern interior. More than a week after a deadly avalanche that claimed the life of a BC police officer near Nelson, a second officer also swept up in that slide has now succumbed to his injuries. Days after the city of Nelson laid one of its police officers to rest in the wake of a deadly avalanche in BC's backcountry, the news nobody wanted to hear came Saturday. Flags are being lowered to half mast and here in the city of Nelson as we've lost our second officer that was involved in the avalanche. The death of the second off-duty officer swept up in the slide, Mathieu Nolay. The young constable surviving the avalanche itself, but with severe internal injuries and multiple broken ribs and bones, which ultimately were not survivable. I visited Constable Nolay several times in the hospital. He was upbeat and positive as much as he could be given the circumstances. Nolay had been in intensive care and hospital in Kelowna since the slide on January 9th. He was surrounded by family from Ontario, his fiance, his parents and his sister when he passed, leaving yet another void in the tight-knit social fabric of Nelson, which laid to rest Nolay's colleague, 43-year-old Wade Tittimore on Wednesday. Tittimore was posthumously promoted from constable to detective. And he was a very skilled and dedicated officer, so we thought it was only fitting that we were able to promote him today to the rank of detective and present that to his family. Both men were experienced backcountry enthusiasts, well equipped for the elements near Caslow when they were overtaken by them. Tittimore was buried some two meters below the snowpack when his body was recovered. Nolay was slammed into a tree by the force of the slide. And now we've lost a second officer, as well as a friend, and a part of our Nelson police family. It has been truly devastating. We are so fortunate to have our own police department where we get to know our officers day in, day out, on duty and off duty. This loss is going to resonate with all of our community. And the losses of Nolay and Tittimore will resonate far beyond BC. Both men had previously worked in Alberta with Calgary's police service before transferring to Nelson both now leaving families and communities who love them in mourning. And Avalanche Canada sharing a powerful and timely video on social media that shows just how volatile conditions are on mountains across the province this weekend. You can hear that explosive dropped by a helicopter that triggers this massive slide. Avalanche Canada says a deep and persistent slab of snow came down. The video was taken in the Monashi Mountains. The slide risk in the southern interior is said to be considerable and very unpredictable.
A sleepy Surrey neighborhood is on edge again this weekend, all because of the return of a mysterious group of protesters. They've been targeting the home of a self-described journalist whom they claim is a spy for the Chinese Communist Party. But what is the whole story? Paul Johnson once again set out to find out. Meet the self-appointed spy catchers of North Surrey. Hello, I'm Paul Johnson from Global News. Saturday morning, we wanted to know why they'd returned to this otherwise quiet cul-de-sac. We were assured it's due to a sensitive geopolitical matter. That guy lived there. He works for the CCP. Yu Chen Dong says his group is the new federal state of China, and their mission here is to expose a deep cover Chinese espionage operation being run out of a safe house here in the cul-de-sac. But despite warnings, he's a dangerous covert agent. Beijing's alleged man in Surrey welcomed us in to tell his side of the story. Through an interpreter, Gao Bing Cheng told us he's a Canadian citizen who's never been in the Chinese Communist Party and works as a journalist. He suspects he's become a target because of things he's written about the new federal state of China, a group we couldn't find out much about. I just wanted to ask why you're filming here on the property. What does that mean? No. No English. I don't know. What does talk about? One thing that is known about them is their ability to run lengthy and disruptive protests outside Gao's house. This one in 2020 lasted 77 days and saw them live streaming constantly and becoming violent. After a long absence, neighbors were horrified to see their return the other day. I've lived here for close to 30 years now, and uh, this is having these protesters around is the worst. Uh, event that I've ever witnessed here. Though the Mounties have regularly been on the scene, they say there are limits to what they can do. You know, all Canadians have a right to peacefully protest. So at this time, as long as these individuals remain on public property and remain peaceful, they are not breaking any laws. He's very dangerous. When we pushed the protesters to justify their allegations, like any well-run counter-espionage operation, they were hesitant to reveal their trade craft. Well, because we don't know who you are. Yeah. We're from Global News. Well. Okay. In Surrey, Paul Johnson, Global News. Vancouver police are investigating after another transit bus in the city was the target of a BB gun, this time in Chinatown. The bus was shot at around 11 o'clock this morning as it traveled along East Pender Street. Police say one of its windows was shot and damaged by a BB gun. Fortunately, nobody was injured, but it's unclear where that BB gun was fired from. This follows a similar incident just two weeks ago when transit police say an eastbound bus was struck by a high-velocity projectile on Hastings near Maine, damaging a window. Last January, more than two dozen bus windows were shot at along Hastings. 43-year-old William Talio was later charged with 11 counts each of mischief and possessing a weapon for a dangerous purpose after he allegedly fired BB rounds at those buses. 
And a stabbing at a new Westminster SkyTrain station has sent one person to hospital with serious injuries. Transit police say it happened within the shops at New West Station around 1.30 this afternoon. The victim was located on a bus at the nearby bus loop. That person was transported to hospital where he remains in stable condition tonight. No arrests have been made. A Surrey man has now been charged in connection with a murder in Coquitlam last year. In February, RCMP were called to Schoolhouse Street, where they found 66-year-old Terry Miller suffering from stab wounds. He died 12 days later in hospital. IHID now says a charge of second-degree murder has been laid against 21-year-old Jeffrey Stevens, who was arrested on Friday. He's also accused of aggravated assault in connection with an attack on a second surviving victim. More Vancouver SRO residents with mobility issues say they're trapped in their homes tonight, all because of a broken down elevator. So what's taking so long to get it fixed? As Kristen Robinson explains, the 88-unit building is only about two decades old. I've been stuck in my room for the last four months. That's how long Victor Dickinson says the elevator at the Portland Hotel has been broken. A lot of times I do, a lot of times I just watch out the window, eh? nowhere to go. Dickinson has used a wheelchair for about a year and a half after a fall shattered both his legs. Leaving his room in this downtown east side building is an almost impossible task. I go down bum first. After sliding down two flights of stairs, he needs someone to bring his chair to the bottom. And I crawl down the stairs and I try to get in it. Sometimes I, I miss the chair and I fall on my ass. And, yeah, not a very good deal. I gotta walk up eight floors every day. And I go up and down, eh? That's gotta be pretty hard for you. Oh, no kidding, because I'm crippled. Just getting outside for a smoke break means an uphill battle for Rick Pelche. Tired on the back and the hip. <coughs> it would be nice to get a pick. The nonprofit housing is run by PHS Community Services Society with Vancouver Coastal Health and BC Housing as community partners. BC's housing minister says the elevator requires a complicated fix, which has been delayed by supply chain challenges. BC Housing went in, had a look, realized they actually needed to replace uh, major parts of the elevator. A uh, contractor has been hired to, to do that work. Uh, the work is expected to be completed by April. We have offered residents that have mobility issues alternatives uh, to make sure that they have their needs accommodated to. Ravi Kalon says 10 people accepted interim housing elsewhere and BC Housing is willing to work with anyone who still needs to relocate. Do you have any quality of life in here right now? No, it's been terrible. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A City of Vancouver councillor is proposing the city scrap the single-use cup fee designed to keep waste out of landfills. ABC councillor Rebecca Bly says the 25-cent charge brought in by the Kennedy Stewart Council does not appear to have changed consumer behaviour or reduced waste. She says in many cases, like sporting events or for online orders, people just can't bring their own cups and they're paying fees that add up over time. And as Bly points out, there is no accountability that the money collected is actually going towards environmental initiatives by the companies collecting them. The fees that are collected are not accounted for um, in terms of the City of Vancouver 
knowing where they're spent. The businesses are not actually needing to report back how they're spending that at those dollars. Bly is hoping to have that fee gone by summer. A city report on the effectiveness of the program is not expected until September. Police on Vancouver Island are asking for the public's help in finding a suspect wanted on five warrants this weekend. Victoria police say 36-year-old Jericho Labonte is wanted on several charges, including criminal harassment and mischief. It's believed Labonte is traveling to the Victoria area, and police say he may pose a risk to public safety. If you see him, call police. A former Coquitlam church youth therapist has been sentenced to six and a half years in prison for multiple sex offenses dating back to the 1990s. The BC Prosecution Service says 78-year-old Raymond Howard Gallardi's initial sentence of 12 years and 11 months was reduced to 78 months due to his, quote, advanced age. Gallardi was convicted on 11 counts, including sexual assault and sexual exploitation relating to offenses involving young men and teenage boys between 1993 and 2007. RCMP say Gallardi was linked to Hillside Community Church, Austin Avenue Chapel, and Evergreen Evangelical. A frustrating and potentially dangerous situation in Crescent Beach today when a train became stalled on a crossing for more than two hours. Access to and from more than 400 homes as well as the beach was blocked by the Burlington Northern train from about 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. Police and fire remained on scene in case there was an emergency. Area residents say there have been more than a dozen incidents like this in as many years now. An overpass was proposed in 2021, but nothing has yet been built. Some passengers from the fatal bus crash along the Okanagan connector last month are speaking out, saying there were warning signs about safety well before the incident happened. Four people were killed and dozens more injured in the Christmas Eve crash involving an e-bus. Police said road conditions at the time were very poor due to ice and snow on the road, and many passengers were not wearing seatbelts. Now, some of those passengers who were on board tell Global News the bus slid several times before the crash, leading them to believe the driver may have been going too fast. So it was about like three times before the accident where the driver was going too fast, and then he would like kind of not slam on his brake, but press on his brake pretty hard, and we were actually sliding a bit. So it happened about three times, and um, the fourth time was when the crash happened. It felt like it was rushed and I would have thought from the first few warning signs that, you know, he would have slowed down a little bit. Um, given the temperature, given the road conditions, time of year, there's so many different factors that took play and I don't feel that any of those were taken into consideration. The BC Highway Patrol is continuing to investigate the crash, but given its severity, that investigation could take up to 12 months. EBUS is not commenting. The federal government has announced a $2.8 billion settlement to a class action suit launched by two B.C. First Nations. Speaking in Vancouver, Indigenous Affairs Minister Mark Miller said the money will be paid out to 325 bands whose members attended residential schools. It's to address the collective harm caused by the loss of language, culture and heritage. This latest settlement is for day school students who were not eligible for a 2006 settlement for full-time students. These four pillars explicitly are the revival and protection of Indigenous language, the revival and protection of Indigenous cultures, the protection and promotion of heritage, and the wellness of Indigenous communities and their members. 
A federal court is expected to give final approval to that settlement next month. Chinatown is gearing up for Sunday's Lunar New Year Parade, the first in-person event since 2020. This afternoon, the Han Sing Athletic Club performed a lion dance at Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Chinese Garden. The dancers moved inside due to the rain, but it did not dampen spirits. The tradition dates back 2,000 years. In Chinese culture, the lion is known to bring great luck to wherever it goes. Instructor Danny Kwan says Lunar New Year, which traditionally heralds in the spring, is now celebrated by everyone regardless of their backgrounds. The minute we bring out a lion or a dragon, just crowds all suddenly just start to form. Um, I, I think it's the, the color, uh, the noise that is, is a result of the lion and dragon dance. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just everything that we all strive for, for in life, for happiness, good luck, and just all around, you know, happiness. Which is what the lion is symbolized to bring. It's just been really good to have everybody come support Chinatown, given that what's going on the last year or so. So it's really nice to see this big turnout. Today's Gardens Lion Dance is just a preview of the main event tomorrow when the Lunar New Year Parade kicks off in the Millennium Gate at 11 o'clock in the morning and winds its way through Chinatown. Sure to be spectacular. Next on the News Hour, paying it forward at great personal risk. The former politician and the fire chief from Vancouver Island just back from an active war zone who promise they're heading back soon. Plus. It's another tragic circumstance in a series of tragic circumstances. Uh, it pains me greatly that this happens in our city. The other major Canadian city grappling with random violence on the heels of a vicious and fatal attack on an elderly woman. The unthinkable tragedy in Toronto that's coming up. Another group of BC volunteers is heading off on a mission to war-torn Ukraine. As Julia Foy reports, among the items they'll be bringing with them this time is a special 3D printer to make prosthetic limbs. This is a new one for people missing their arm above the elbow. Volunteers gather at the University of Victoria to learn about new prosthetics created by the Victoria Hand Project that will soon be on their way to amputees in Ukraine. We're basically helping people uh, regain their ability and hopefully improving their lives. The toll on Ukrainian soldiers and civilians from 11 months of Russian attacks has motivated a group from Vancouver Island to launch a medical mission this spring. The project is led by a former Langford fire chief and Souk School District vice chair. The supplies that we're sending them um, will stop the hemorrhaging, um, will help with their, their surgery, will save lives. This is something we hear every day. It's During the first mission in June, the military took the island team through several devastated communities. One nonprofit called Wonder Fund has now partnered with the Ukrainian health group. They're providing no-cost counseling services to soldiers and highly subsidized uh, counseling services to civilians that have been touched by war trauma. Many women and children are living in bomb shelters and school can be dangerous too. I really wish you well in this war. Stay safe. So letters from Langford school children will soon be taken to a sister school in Ukraine to help lift their spirits.
I'm looking forward to meeting with students, meeting with educators, and learning about what life is like uh, for them uh, during this war. Uh, showing them that we in Canada and here in Langford, British Columbia, uh, care about them. We want to continue working with them. The entire cost of this device and materials is 100 US dollars, so very inexpensive. Two Ukrainian doctors have come to UVic to learn about the medical equipment coming their way. We're grateful for, for that every day and uh, it's, uh, from the bottom of the heart we want to tell thank you for everything. Fundraising for the medical mission continues and organizers say they want Ukrainians to hang on to hope. I can't get over how resilient the people are, how committed they are um, to winning back their freedom and their independence. Julia Foy, Global News. Next on the news hour, begging to help a beleaguered healthcare system. Please just let me do my job. Let me serve patients. Why a rural doctor sounding the alarm on severe staffing shortages province-wide says his hands are tied. Plus, and the first five days were just awful. Light sensitivity, irritability, lack of appetite. Sound familiar? Kicking those bad habits. How to stick with those New Year resolutions a few weeks into 2023. That's coming up. Stay with us. A Vancouver Island doctor says the health care crisis in his community is about to get a whole lot worse and he's proposing a new way of dealing with it. With two doctors resigning in June, a Port Hardy family physician says he will be the only remaining doctor serving the district of 4,000 people. To ease the workload, Dr. Alex Natteris wants to bring in a physician assistant who could help diagnose and treat patients. But the only problem is the provincial government because BC does not authorize the use of physician assistants. There's already a regulatory framework with the College of Physicians and Surgeons. Um, they are clear that with the go-ahead from Minister Dix, we could hire a, a physician assistant straight away. And I'm saying that I will pay for this physician assistant. So please just let me do my job. Let me serve patients. Port Hardy's mayor and council have written a letter to Health Minister Adrian Dix in support of a physician assistant pilot project. They say it's a proven model already used in other provinces like Alberta and Ontario. The ministry says it is considering the option of adding new professions. Well, we're now far enough into January that some of us may be having a bit of trouble keeping those resolutions we made a few weeks ago. It's not easy to keep those promises to ourselves, especially when we're talking about major common vices like alcohol and drugs. And it's the withdrawal symptoms that can be huge hurdles in making lasting lifestyle changes. Mike Drillet explains how some Canadians are coping. Walking through an urban centre can be a test on one's senses. The lights, sounds and smells can pull us in or drag us down. For Cal Stewart, it's the smell of weed, which he loves. Yet for someone trying to cut back, it's an ubiquitous enticement. Quite similar to the way that one may salivate when they smell really good food. Stewart has smoked weed almost daily for the last 15 years. He found it increased his focus and heightened his sensory experiences. But he realized during the pandemic it was all just too much. So he vowed to cut back. That proved difficult. While on vacation in Montenegro in 2021, he went cold turkey and was miserable. And the first 
five days were just awful. Light sensitivity, irritability, lack of appetite, um, all stemming from marijuana withdrawal. When he returned to Canada where marijuana is legal, he just picked up where he left off. He needed a new approach, so he tried the fitness tracker method. But instead of counting his steps, he was counting the hours between the times he was smoking. And so far, it's working. While Cal is at the beginning of his refresh, So that's the honey syrup. Sarah Kate is three years into hers. A glass of wine or three had become her crutch in social situations. But unlike Cal, she quit her vice completely. I feel great. I have changed. My whole life has changed. I've stopped fighting with my husband. I'm more present for my kids. I'm a lot more even keeled. I'm not grumpy. She hasn't looked back, nor has she given up her social life. Some club soda. And is now something of an expert on non-alcoholic cocktails. Three years ago, I could never have dreamed I could make a non-alcoholic margarita that tastes exactly like the real thing. I, I, I dreamed about it. And here we are today. I will make you a margarita and you will be floored. Cutting back or cutting out looks different for everybody. Cal Stewart knows he'll have rough days ahead, but if he can get control of his vice, he knows he'll be happier for it. Mike Drolet, Global News, Toronto. Good for them. Coming up, Yvonne and Barry are here with sports and weather on this gloomy winter's day. We're back in a few minutes. See you then. Join the new Global BC Arts and Culture Scene segment as we explore all the people and places that make our creative community so special. So come make the scene. The Global BC Arts and Culture Scene on Global BC and BC One. Welcome back. It was a good day to be inside today. That is, if rain and cold is not your thing, meteorologist Yvonne <laughs> Shell joins us now with a look at the forecast, Yvonne. Yeah, and we saw the snow level drop. We actually had a special weather statement that was in place. It has now ended, but it was uh, indicating that we were seeing some wet flurries for higher elevations. The rain is going to start to ease off, especially overnight tonight. We're already starting to see it along the west end. We're still seeing in towards the uh, eastern areas. The Fraser Valley could still hang on to a chance of showers, even leading in towards our Sunday morning. This is a nice break in behind. So there's that cold front that's still sweeping across the province. Snow for higher elevations if you're traveling along the mountain passes. And then another system will be bringing in more rain on the way. First off, though, overnight tonight, it'll taper off. We'll still see the winds pick up, potentially anywhere between 20 and then gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. Chilly with temperatures dipping down to 2. We've got some fog patches for the morning hours dissipating as we get in towards the afternoon. And then we're into a mix of sun and cloud through the day with highs closer to 6 degrees. So a pleasant one to round off our weekend. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, two and up to four centimeters, especially along the Connector and Rogers Pass and the Pine Pass, check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. But late day tomorrow, there's an additional 10 and up to 15 centimeters possible. On the future cast, we've got dry conditions through the day for Sunday. Late Sunday, overnight into Monday, a chance for some showers will be moving across the region and then another break in between once again. Now, the northern half of the province along the coast will start to see that rain pick up. Inland, cold enough that we could still see some wet flurries near Terrace. Much of the northeastern corners of the province will be back into some sunshine, similar for the central interior. It's the southern half, higher elevations, still seeing the flurries for the early morning hours, and then most areas underneath a mix of sun and cloud, a clearing is on the way. Whistler overnight will dip down to minus four. We will see a nice break on the way through the day tomorrow, bumping up to one. Across the island, a pleasant one. Victoria even up to seven, and then along for the lower mainland and extending into the Fraser Valley, it's the Fraser Valley 
Valley that could still see a few showers. That'll be for tomorrow morning and then clearing out towards the afternoon. Chilly overnight tonight will be down to two. Fog for our Sunday morning. Sunshine through the afternoon. Chance of showers for Monday and then a nice break on the way for both Tuesday. We're back into some sunshine on Wednesday with a high of six. Sarah? Like to see that sunshine. Thanks so much, Yvonne. The 12th annual herring sale took place in Stevenson today, all for a very good cause. Enjoy. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 20 tons of fish were donated by fishermen with proceeds going to BC Children's Hospital cancer patients. Organizers say the supply of herring was down from previous years, but they expected to sell out as usual. It's the second year for the sale after a pandemic pause. It's built up a lot of loyal customers that have come back every year and it's just it's a great cause. All, all the proceeds go to the kids. Um, we're able to help with their quality of life um, as they're battling and going through a tough time and um, helping not only the children but their families as well. What a great idea. Mom, were you saying your mom was there? My mom went and purchased some as well. She did a little pickup, and then I know that she got a lot because she's asking me it's going to overflow into my freezer now. Because <laughs> she's like, hey, by the way, the, by, do, you, do you have some room? So, yes, I said yes, and I know that I'm going to be having some of them in my freezer too. You're benefiting from that as well. Yes, I absolutely. Can smell, I can smell the herring. <laughs> <That'd be awesome. laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, big night for Bruce tonight in sports. Yes, could be his uh, mm -hmm. curtain call, his swan song. I think the, I used to joke, you know, they do the Bruce, there it is, Chandy. So when I get fired, they'll be chanting, Bruce, there he goes. But, you know, the fans have really loved this guy uh, from the moment he's got here. He's very likable. You know, anytime we've had dealings with him, he's just uh, always got a sunny disposition and is very honest and, like I said, very likable. So we'll hear from Bruce on uh, what could be his final night. No one knows for sure. It's a, a situation that's never been like And people in the, around the NHL have never had this kind of situation where, you know, everyone kind of knows what's going to happen and are just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, but uh, we'll see and see what the uh, Canucks management says in the days to come. I guess we'll find out. Okay. Not a fun sort of surprise, I'm sure, that he's waiting no, for. No, so. yeah, yeah, I mean, he's dealt with it by joking with it and by, you know, crying and other yeah. sorts of things. I mean, it's very emotional for him. Uh, you know, he's almost 70 years old. This could be his final final shot at coaching, so we'll see. Okay, and home game tonight. That's yes, against the Oilers. Oh, yeah, there's a game. McDavid's in. <laughs> okay, okay, sounds good. Coming up, Toronto grapples with an unthinkable tragedy. Plus... Hitting the slopes with a perfect form. Meet the local feline who's really a ski bunny. That's coming up. Stay with us. Vancouver is not the only Canadian city dealing with random stranger assaults. Toronto is also grappling with an unthinkable tragedy this week. A case of fatal random violence targeting an elderly woman. This is extraordinarily tragic, and again, it's, it's another tragic circumstance in a series of tragic circumstances. Uh, it pains me greatly that this happens in our city. A brazen daylight attack that left an 89-year-old woman dead. Police say the victim was walking alone when she was allegedly pushed to the ground on Yonge Street, injuring her face and head. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Police have arrested and charged 37-year-old Ryan Cunning of Toronto with one count of aggravated assault. And I don't know what brings us to this, and you know, stabbings and subway attacks. I, I, why is this happening? I, it's beyond me. In a separate incident, a suspect was arrested after reportedly attempting to push a person onto the subway tracks at Rosedale Station. Fortunately, the victim sustained no injuries. Uh, all I would say to the public is just be mindful of your surroundings. Sadly, be very mindful of your surroundings and understand that these 
these attacks do happen. This is the scene of Friday's attack. People around the city today say after all of these random incidents, safety is top of mind now more than ever. Toronto is like one of the safest from what I've heard, at least like, you know, being an American person. So just learning that about the crime incidents, uh, it's kind of terrifying. It makes you kind of a little bit leery, right, walking around. But uh, you can't, like he said, you got to live, right? But the worry is that these seemingly unprovoked attacks are happening more often. It's hard to know what to do until you know why you would ever have had such a terrible thing uh, happen. And I, my condolences, of course, my heart goes out to the family of that woman who you know, one assumes was minding her business on the downtown streets of Toronto, which are otherwise quite safe, uh, and suffered a terrible fate like this and her family as well. A perplexing issue for city officials and police to deal with. Lexi Benedict, Global News. Coming up, Barry's back with sports and the emotional roller coaster for Bruce Boudreau. Bruce, there it is, has sprung up. And we expect a bit of that tonight and tomorrow. The Canucks hit home ice tonight amid speculation it could be their coach's last game, as we just heard. That is after the break. Stay with us. The Harlem Globetrotters are coming back to town. Don't miss them on the world tour as they bring their ankle-breaking moves, outrageous athleticism, and a hilariously good time to audiences. Tickets at HarlemGlobetrotters.com. Head to the Okanagan and be part of the 63rd annual Vernon Winter Carnival, February 3rd through 12th. The tradition continues with another year of fun family events and community pride, including a parade, snow sculptures, and more. VernonWinterCarnival.com for tips to plan your trip. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day is on February 22nd. Get your pink shirt merchandise now at London Drugs. Welcome back. Barry's back. Uh, talk about a weird night on the job tonight. For, yeah. for Bruce Pedro. Yeah, I mean, it's like that for Scott. me all the time. But hey, for Bruce, <laughs> it's like, okay, if you, this is your last show. You know you're going to get fired, yeah. but no one's told you for sure. Yeah. Right? That's the situation. As we've all mentioned before, mm -hmm. pro sports, this it doesn't usually go like this. If they find out, they usually relieve you of your duties. All right. Thanks, Sarah. If you uh, believe the rumors, tonight's game versus the Oilers... Uh, will be Bruce Boudreaux's final game behind the Canucks bench. Rick Tockett is waiting in the wings to be the new head coach as early as Monday. It's a bizarre situation and an emotional one for Boudreaux, who at age 68 knows this could be his final chance to coach an NHL team, something he's been very good at for the last 17 years or so. But he's handled this uncomfortable situation with humor and class and real emotion, as was the case Friday when he got choked up a couple of times. This morning, Bruce was poking fun at himself again uh, it's just another game <laughs> 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 sorry well it's better than crying right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you love that guy. We expect tonight the crowd will be doing the Bruce There It Is chance to show us their support for the head coach, something they did last night in the 4-1 loss to Colorado. It's a rare situation to see fans show so much love for a head coach when the team is struggling, but it's something Boudreaux really appreciates. Leave. Bruce There It Is has sprung up. sympathy for the beleaguered Canucks head coach. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, I mean, I mean, I've only been here a year, but it'll go down uh, in my memory books out of the 48 years I've played and coached that, I mean, uh, 
the most incredible thing I've experienced on a personal level, other than winning championships, of course. But it's, you know, it's, uh, it's very touching. And I, I haven't experienced this ever. Uh, I would say, you know, most guys in the league have um, it. You know, it's nice. <laughs> um, uh, like I said, it's it's a tough situation. It's um, it's really different than anything I've seen. Uh, so it's it's hard on a lot of people. You know, Bruce being one of them, and uh, you know, I a lot of guys feel for the situation and you just gotta you just gotta come in and stick together the city loves him uh, I mean uh, I know I like him uh, it's been awesome for me personally so what's your take on just what he's been dealing with the last couple of weeks here? next question this is what I've done my whole life I mean from the time I could walk till now and uh, never took time off in between and when I'm taking time off, I'm running four hockey schools in the summer. So it's uh, it's everything. So I mean, uh, you know, when when everything is finally over, it's you're going to miss it like crazy. So those are the things you think about. All right, NHL today. John Cooper and the Lightning continuing their Western trip, taking on the Flames. Calgary opens the scoring late first. Tyler Toffoli, the hard centering pass, tipped in by Nazem Kadri, is 18th, and we got one nothing. Second period tied at two. Rasmus Anderson will float one in that deflects in off Victor Hedman, the Lightning defenseman, and past Andre Vasilevsky. It's 3-2. Third period, Anderson with the nice pass here to spring. Dylan Dubé rips it top glove past Vasilevsky and the Flames. Go on to win at 6-3. Calgary moves past Colorado into the final wild card spot in the West. Well, hockey fans in Victoria know all about Alex Newhook, who was a star player for the BCHL's Victoria Grizzlies a few years ago. Now he is in his second season with the Colorado Avalanche, having already won a Stanley Cup and looking to keep building his game in the NHL. Now in front with a backhander. It roots and scores! Oh, what a move out in front by Newhook. Life is pretty sweet for Alex Newhook right now. He's in his second NHL season, lining up with superstars like Nathan McKinnon on the Colorado Avalanche every night. And oh yeah, he won the Stanley Cup in his rookie season last spring. Not bad for a young man who won't turn 22 until later this month. You know, it's been a crazy ride for sure and um, you know when you come back to places like this kind of makes you you know reminisce on your past and um, you know be grateful how far I've came. His past wasn't that long ago. A two-season stint with the BCHL's Victoria Grizzlies from 2017 to 19 where he put up 60 goals and 168 points in just 98 games. But it was more than just a strong Grizzlies hockey program that helped Newhook get drafted in the first round by the Avalanche in 2019. He literally moved from the other side of the country, from his native Newfoundland to Victoria, to pursue his hockey dream. I think it's a great step for you know any uh, any player looking to you know improve their game, improve themselves as a person. Um, you know, especially on that college route. Um, you know, I had a lot of fun in Vic. I learned a lot, and um, you know, just traveling around and everything it kind of prepares you for um, the next step in, in hockey. And um, very happy I was uh, able to play in Vic. Devon Taves hands it off, scores. Newhook, top corner. Newhook is just 120 games into his NHL career and is finding his way on a team stacked with stars. He's been chipping in offensively, but he and the Avs are confident he will be a significant producer in the years to come. I think he's still developing his game uh, on both sides of the puck. I think he's got 
uh, more still to show us on the offensive side of it like he did in junior in college. He's still a work in progress, as, as lots of young guys are, but I think that um, he's got a bright future in the league. You know, just trying to improve as much as I can. I think I can be a, you know, an offensive you know, player in this league and, and be a production player in this league, but I'm um, just trying to grow my games you know, in any way I can and you know, help, help this team any way I can. All right, Whitecaps wrapping up their first leg of training camp today in Spain, taking on Austrian side Wolfsburger AC. Ali Ahmad with the nice run cuts it back to Christian Dahomey. Only goal of the match for the Caps, who lose 2-1, but uh, they do continue their spring training in Palm Springs in a few days. They return to Vancouver. Here's Vanny on the 10-day camp in Spain. I think it was good, not against. Uh, we don't have to, to be, uh, I would say, uh, so ecstatic and everything is going well, so it will be. But I think we are on the on the right path, so I would give us a B. And uh, you know, everything was perfect. The attitude, the the will to work for the guys. So I think we are on the right path to to get the next step and be and do the next step in Palm Springs. World Cup ski cross from Sweden. Cultus Lakes Reese Howden in the men's final. Heck of a race. Howden going ski to ski with Sweden's David Moberg. Howden leading the race from the very beginning but gets reeled in on the final jump by Moberg who snatches the victory away from Howden. They actually had to have a photo finish to decide second and third but Howden got it. Got the silver by a sliver so a second place finish for him. He's now first in the overall points race. All right, let's check out the NFL Divisional Playoffs. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at Arrowhead to face the Jacksonville Jaguars. First quarter, Mahomes rolls out, hits Travis Kelsey. Who else? They hook up for a lot of touchdowns, rumbles in for the TD. Chiefs out 7-0. But this was not good for Mahomes. Gets tackled, and the big Jacksonville D lineman rolls on his ankle, and Mahomes... Is hurt, has to go to the locker room to get taped up. But meanwhile, veteran Chad Henney comes on in relief, and all he did was march the Chiefs' 98 yards, longest playoff drive in franchise history, and it's another touchdown for Kelsey, 17-10 at the half. But good news, Mahomes did return for the second half, obviously not 100%, ankle heavily taped, but at least able to move better, and he proves it here by kind of... Going for a run there for a 20 to 10 lead after three and still Mahomes with the jump pass here with throw it off the good ankle there to Marquez Valdez-Scantling and the Chiefs win at 27-20 despite a hobbled quarterback. They are off to the championship game in the AFC for the fifth straight year. LPGA Tournament of Champions from Orlando. Canada's Brooke Henderson has led from the opening round. Nice touch here around the green on the par five. We'll chip it up to a couple of feet. Boy, a good short game can save some strokes playing on the LPGA Tour. Made the short birdie putt. Now, she did miss a couple of short birdies on the backside, but makes up for it on 16. A slick downhiller from distance about 30 feet, but knocks it in for the birdie. Brooke Henderson, 3 under 69, leads at 14 under a three-shot lead on Nellie Korda. PGA Tour is in Palm Springs for the American Express. John Rahm, who's already won in 2023 in Hawaii, had the hot putter today in the desert, rolls in the 27-footer here. 7-under 65, 23-under for the tournament. 
tied at the top with American Davis Thompson. Adam Hadwin, who shot a 59 here six years ago today, 8 under 64 today. He's tied 16th at 15 under. Nick Taylor missed the cut. And we'll finish with some basketball. NBA Raptors and Celtics from Toronto late fourth. Raptors down three, but Gary Trent Jr. with the three ball ties it at 103. But the Celtics answer Peyton Pritchard will hit the three-pointer with a minute and a half to go, and that was the margin of victory as the Celtics win again. They own the best record in the NBA, 106-104 over the Raptors. But the big story tonight, Oilers and uh, Canucks mm. and Bruce Boudreaux. Hopefully it's not his last game. I really enjoy that guy talking yeah. to him, and but we'll see. Uh, that game faces off in 15 minutes and highlights okay. tonight at 11. Highlights at 11. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Thanks, Barry. After the break, meet the cat who's hitting the slopes. Stay with us. Welcome back. Speaking of the snow report, an adventurous cat from Alberta who loves the outdoors recently spent some time hitting the slopes right here in BC. Take a look. Gary the cat from Canmore <laughs> likes good music. He likes to ride on the shoulders of his owner while he goes skiing as well. The eight-year-old feline loves to go hiking, skiing, and paddling. This week, Gary hit the slopes in Golden, Fernie, and Kimberly. Gary, like, if I don't take him out enough, he actually will, like, sit and scream at me and, like, go to the door and try and get me to get the hint that he'd like to go out. So he's uh, he's pretty happy to be out finally because it's been a little while since he's had an adventure before this week. Gary is a star on social media with almost half a million followers on Instagram. No kidding with those goggles and that form. Gary, looking good. Pretty impressive. My cat is really good at sleeping, but not so much at skiing. <laughs> Love that. Okay, that's all for us this evening. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing part of yours with us. We'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock tonight. See you then. Good night.